You are listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and I'm also the leader for Adult Explore the Bible team. Today, I'm joined by Mike Livingston, who is a member of the team, and he edits the personal study guide and our leader guide. So Mike, thank you for being with us today. I appreciate the opportunity, thanks. We're gonna be looking at session six for the winter of 2020 through 21. That's our study of Luke. That particular passage uh, that we're looking at for session six is Luke three, seven through 18. We've entitled this study, Prepared. Uh, We are focusing on John preparing the way for the Messiah. Uh, As I said, we're gonna be looking at seven through 18, and here is how we've outlined this particular passage. It begins with verses 7 through 9, which we've entitled Warning. In this particular section, crowds have begun to gather to hear John the baptizer, and he warns them of the coming judgment upon those who fail to demonstrate repentance by living a godly life. The key point here is that judgment awaits those who live in disobedience to God and his standards. In verses 10 through 14, we've entitled that particular section response. John's been speaking, he's been preaching, and members of the crowd, text collectors, soldiers, others, they approach John in response to his message. And then John directs them to take actions that point to a changed lifestyle. The key idea in this particular section is that repentance is demonstrated through godly living. In verses 15 through 18, we find our third section, which we've entitled Division. John is asked by the folks there if he's the Messiah, but he leaves no doubt that he is not the Messiah, and he even says that he's unworthy to tie the Messiah's sandals. He then explains that the Messiah would baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire and will gather his followers while bringing judgment on those who reject him. The main point here is that one's eternal destiny is determined by his or her response to Jesus. Now, before I move on, let me just say something about this particular phrase uh, that's used by John about baptism with the Holy Spirit and fire. Some believe uh, that Jesus baptized with Holy Spirit, uh, that with Holy Spirit and fire, that that describes only the salvation experience and points to the refining or purifying work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's lives. However, verse 17 points to judgment that's coming. And that emphasizes the reference of what's being talked about here of the Holy Spirit and fire as being two different experiences. If that's the case, then it, then salvation experience is one, which would be baptizing with the Holy Spirit and fire would refer to judgment. In that sense, uh, people will only experience one of those, not both of them. So you just need to know that different folks view that different ways, but verse 17 tends to follow that second idea. Mike, let's look at some of the questions that we may encounter while we're teaching this, this lesson this Sunday. Uh, let's, let's start with this first one. Uh, when the folks uh, approached John, they asked him, what do we need to do? And he gave them actions. Um, how do the actions called for by John demonstrate repentance? Yeah, you know, well, John's baptism was uh, a baptism of repentance. It says he came preaching a baptism of repentance. You look in um, you know, Matthew's account of this, uh, the, the same event, uh, it says people uh, came confessing their sins. 
so the fact that um, John said to some of the crowd uh, who came to him, uh, or he called them uh, brood of vipers, uh, suggests that not everyone who came to be baptized was actually sincere about repenting and confessing their sins. So the evidence of true repentance is not that someone decides to get baptized. Uh, you know, you can get baptized for the wrong reasons, but the the evidence of repentance is in is in the changed life that follows. And so that's what we, we see here when John says, produce fruit consistent with your repentance. And then he, he gives three examples of what that looks like or what genuine repentance looks like or the kind of fruit uh, that he has in mind. So he gives three examples. And each example is related to a real life situation. So, so true repentance is demonstrated in, in life, in real life. And, and even though the examples he gave reflect first century life uh, in, in most ways, the principles are the same. So there in Luke 3.11, um, the first example John gives, he says, the one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none. And the one who has food must do the same. Now, throughout scripture... Benev it's just being benevolent in that sense. Yeah, yeah. And, and throughout scripture, it, it's abundantly clear that God has a heart for the poor, for the hungry, for the vulnerable. You know, in Isaiah, Isaiah talks about how true fasting is to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the poor and homeless into your house. Isaiah 58, 7, you know, Ezekiel uh, said something about a righteous man gives his bread to the hungry and covers the naked with clothing. So when, there, when there's a true turning from sin to God, what happens is we begin to reflect the heart of God. And we begin to care about the things that God cares about. And one way that that shows itself is by, by having compassion and showing compassion for those in need, just as God has a heart and compassion for, for those in need. So what, what John was saying here was really nothing new at all. Genuine faith and repentance is expressed in a compassionate concern for people. And of all the gospel writers, Luke especially stressed that point over and over again in, in his gospel. And then uh, John's other examples, I said there was three, that was one. Uh, God, we also see that God is concerned with fairness and honesty. When, when John addressed the tax collectors who came to be baptized, and he said, don't collect more than what you've been authorized. Um, you know, be fair, be honest. And then he said to some soldiers uh, uh, who came to be baptized, don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. So um, again, uh, another uh, evidence of true repentance would be maybe contentment uh, would be a third evidence of genuine faith and repentance. So the, the evidence that there's been true repentance and genuine faith is that we begin to reflect God's heart and we care about the things that God cares about. And you see it also in the way that we relate to people. The genuineness of our faith and our repentance is reflected in our relationships and, and how we uh, relate to the people we come in, in contact with in everyday situations. Obviously, those would be things that will be true today mm -hmm. uh, that a person would, could, could exhibit. Uh, let me ask this question. What are some things people might use as a substitute for repentance today? Yeah, I think we could probably make a list, uh, you know, maybe a long list, I suppose. Uh, but just looking at the, in our passage, and just, I, I just see some things in our passage. Uh, that I think we need to, you know, we talk about as we teach these verses. Um, so John himself gave, uh, reveals the answer, you know, substitutes for genuine repentance. Um, I've already mentioned uh, how he 
you know, use the phrase, you, you brood of vipers, um, verse seven. I, I'm sure that's a way to win people over yeah. who, are, who are there to hear you speak, you know. It, it, exactly. Um, you know, and then he, he follows that up by, by talking about, okay, you've got to produce fruit consistent with repentance. So uh, what I see in that is that for whatever reason, some people were coming uh, to him to be baptized and, 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 and just going through the motions. Maybe, maybe it was the popular thing to do. I mean, you know, to come out and hear John and be baptized by John. I don't know. But the, the danger, it seems, uh, would, would be putting too much emphasis on, on outward behavior and neglecting interchange. And I, and I think that's I think that's something that John was actually addressing here in 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 his day with with the crowd coming to him, uh, because he he knew that not everyone uh, stepping forward to be baptized was you know doing it for the the right reasons. So uh, one substitute would be just going through the motions, you know, maybe just being baptized uh, rather than in, in doing these outward kinds of things rather than uh, focusing on on the heart and, and the change that must take place in the heart. Uh, and, and I think the other thing you see here in this passage is the idea of thinking you can rely on someone else's faith. Because you look at, you know, what he said, what John said to, to them, some of the, the Jews there, uh, he, he warned them, don't, don't start saying to yourselves, well, we have Abraham as our father. So, you know, so he's, he's warning them not to pres presume on the relationship to Abraham for salvation. Now, you know, don't think just because you're a Jew uh, that you're okay, that everything's fine between you and God. You can't rely on um, family ties. The salvation is not inherited. It's not handed down. You've got to make a personal decision uh, on your own. So I, I think, you know, maybe these are some of the, the substitutes that we, we see in these verses. One of the, the key things in this particular study is the Bible skill it calls on us to use a concordance or a Bible dictionary to learn more about baptism. It, uh, the Bible school points out that there was a difference on how Jewish baptism was viewed, John's baptism for repentance, the church's baptism, all those kinds of things. How, how would we help folks today understand the role of baptism for a believer in our world? For a believer? Um, uh -huh. Yeah, in, in a simplest form, baptism is a, an act of obedience. It's, it's a public identification with Christ. And it's really, it's a picture of the gospel uh, in, in, a, in two different ways. It pictures, first of all, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. And it's a picture of that, um, of going under the water and, and coming up out of the water. But it's also a picture, or it's a reenactment if you would, uh, of a believer's death to sin, the burial of the old self, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life with Christ. So it's a picture of, of life change, of how the gospel uh, uh, transforms our lives. And, you know, we talk about um, baptism being a symbol. Well, it's just a symbol. Baptism doesn't save you. It's just a symbol. And, and while that, that's true, it's, it's just a symbol but that doesn't make it any less significant for us as believers because it is an act of, of obedience to the Lord and it is an act of, of publicly identifying ourselves with Christ, saying, I am a follower of Christ. It does serve as a way, too, for us to make a public declaration right. Um, right. where we can 
we can invite folks to that, box friends to that, give us an opportunity to share with them why it's important for us to be to take this step. Yeah. Um, it also helps us have a, a, a marker in our lives where we can say, on this day, I did something public to do, to declare my confidence and my faith in Christ. So I see some yeah. things that are important there. Yeah. Exactly. Other key ideas or thoughts you would share about this particular passage? Uh, you know, just uh, John's, like we said, John's baptism was, was um, it, it was symbolic. Uh, it, it, the baptism itself didn't change anybody's hearts. It didn't transform anybody, just the act of baptism itself. It was just a symbol, of, an outward symbol of something that was happening inwardly. And, and John, his role was to point people to Jesus, the one who could change lives and who could change hearts. You know that um, how John said, I, I baptize you with water, but one is more, one is more powerful than I who's coming. And, and I'm not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. In other words, John is saying, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about him. And, and what a, you know, a, a, a role model for us, you know, if we could uh, model our ministry in, in that sense after John, that, I, that our role is to point people to Jesus. You know, I, I can't change someone's heart, but I know who can. So like John, my role is to point people to Jesus, to the only one who can change people's hearts. How, how important of a message is that for us in our world today as we think about our role as believers yeah. in helping other people understand uh, what life is about? Yeah. Mike, thank you for being with us today. Before we go, let me just share with y'all, remind y'all about Extra. Uh, Extra, we identify a, a current news event and describe a way of using that news story to introduce and conclude the group time. Uh, the file is free. It works with the group plans in the leader guide and the leader helps in the daily discipleship guide. Uh, these ideas are posted 10 days prior to the suggested use date, and you can find them on the Explore the Bible website by typing the following in your web browser go explorethebible.com forward slash leader extras. Thank you for listening to us today, and we hope you will encourage other teachers to tune in next week as we look at session seven. We'll be looking at Luke 6, verses 27 through 38, thinking about the compassion demonstrated by Christ.